Take your copies of God, God's Word, if you will, and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Yesterday, I, I got the ability to speak to a group of folks at a funeral service, and, and I shared with them just the joys of being a pastor. And I mean that like I think I've got the greatest job in all of the world. I don't know of any other job or vocation, right? You know what it's like, Martha. Huh? It is a great job to have, a great calling in our lives. There are so many different things I get to do and I get to experience as a pastor. I, you know, I can never imagine doing anything else. That, that's one of the things uh, that I was told when I was growing up by some of the older pastors and we would talk about the call of God, Kenny, on, on our lives. And, and uh, they would say to us, they would say something to us younger guys like, do everything else you can and if you can't find joy there, you know God's called you to preach and called you to pastor. Now, it may meant that you couldn't be successful at anything else in life. All you could do was preach and pastor. I don't know, but that's what they used to tell me is, that, you know, you can try other things, but you'll never be truly fulfilled until you do this, what God's called you to do. And I love it. I, I love being able to do the different parts of ministry. I, I'm not always as crazy about administration, but there are challenges and opportunities that are there. I'm proud of proud of those moments and the leadership that God gives us and, and being able to preach and proclaim the word in, in such a setting as this. I love it. I enjoy it. I love being able to, uh, to work with families and walk through moments with different families. I'm grateful that I can be up close in some of the greatest moments that they have. And uh, also, in some ways, I'm grateful that I can be there in some of the most difficult moments they have as well. And what I see in ministry, what I've seen in my pastorate is, you know, there are all kinds of things that are there and that exist in the church's life. But I'm truly convinced that one of the greatest things that we get to experience within the church context, and even as a pastor, really is the relationship that God is able to give us with different folks. The relationships that we have. You know, I said this yesterday is that there are all kinds of things that will come to an end. I mean... You think about it, the programs of the church. How many programs, Miss Vivian, have we had through the years that were good programs for the moment, but we kind of moved on and we did something else and we had different programs come along and all those things happened. You know, and those are good things. Good things to, to see uh, what goes on within the church's life. But even, but even if we were to line up all the programs and the services and all that, really what we see that would last would be the relationships that we enjoy with one another. Remember what Paul said? Paul said it would be love itself, that quality, that character, which would last forever. And it's so demonstrated within the relationships that we have. And I want to talk to you today about those relationships. I want to talk to you in particular about the friendships that God has called us to have. The loyal friends that we do desperately need. Cicero. The Roman politician and philosopher some 2,000 years ago wrote, and he said, Friendship is the only thing in the world concerning usefulness of which all mankind are agreed. In other words, most everybody understands that there, there needs to be a relationship, there needs to be a friendship that we have in our lives. So I want to introduce you to this passage today as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 18. 
And you see an incredible friendship that will last. An incredible friendship of loyal people, loyal friends who come together. And hopefully as we look at this, we are challenged in our own lives to be those loyal friends and also to be appreciative of those loyal friends that we have. Look, if you will, again, 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 1. I want to read all the way through verse 9, okay? Verse 1. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, that is David, okay? He's talking to Saul. Saul has just witnessed this great victory. David has just brought the giant down. And Saul looked at him once again there in verse 58 or so, and he said, By the way, son, who did you say you were? Where did you say you were from? Who's your daddy again? And as David answers the king's question and he, he speaks to him, it says that, that the soul of Jonathan, in the midst of this conversation, in the midst of what they were talking about, the soul of Jonathan, the, king, the king's son, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So Saul took him that day, would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened, as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul is slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry. The saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Oftentimes when we think of King David's life, we think of the anointing. We, we're reminded of how he was brought out of the fields and God had ordained him to be the next king. And so often we just kind of move on to the moment where David assumes the kingship. I mean, we just expect him to be the king. Remember a few weeks ago I told you, after there's an anointing, you would think there's going to be an immediate coronation. But that is not what happens in David's life. There are these intervening years as God is preparing David. And somehow in those moments, like here in this passage where it says Saul recognizes that there's something about this young man and he places him there so that he can keep him. He will not allow him to go back to Bethlehem. He wants to keep an eye on this young man, perhaps use his talents and his skills and the army, but he wants to make sure that he is keeping watch on David. And in these processes, in these intervening years before David becomes king, God is going to grow him. But get this, what we're told in chapter 18 is that God knows that David's going to need a friend. God knows that he is going to need somebody to be there with him and to talk to him. God knows that David needs a loyal friend. Now, 
at the very onset of this, let me remind you, you and I, we do need friends. And we need some loyal friends. Now, I know that God has given you an individual calling in your life and you know what you're supposed to be about and all of this kind of stuff. And, and I know that God has saved you and he has a relationship with you. But God has not called you to live a Lone Ranger type of life. Did you hear me? Guys, did you hear me? God wants you to experience relationship. When the English poet said that no man is an island, he meant that all of us in some way needed relationships. We needed friendships. We need people around us. Why do you think that Jesus decided in his wisdom to leave a group of people behind, a group of people that would be referred to as the church? Well, some of you said, well, it was for us to go out and make disciples and it was for us. Yes, it was for us to worship him. Yes. But understand, he meant for us to do that collectively together in a community. He did not want us to go out just by ourselves. He wanted us to experience the community of believers. And through that, to move forward the kingdom that he himself had given us. So he wants us to experience these relationships. He knows we need people. He knew David. This young man, and he was a young man. I didn't mention this last week, but to serve in the military at the time, you had to be at least 20 years old. You had to be at least 20 years of age. So that means that David is younger than 20. Isn't that incredible? Stop, stop and think about this. No offense to our younger folks who are here, but is that not incredible for a moment to think about? That God called this guy, this teenager, to face Goliath. And then, before you know it, he's leading the military itself. He's leading different armies. There are not many 17, 16-year-olds, I think, could do that. A few of you could. But not many. So here he is as a young man. He, he's trying to work all these things out. So many things are happening to him. It's coming at him just... In successive kind of waves, he's, a, he's been anointed. He's defeated the giant. Acclaim is coming. Fame is coming. Notice what it says, that all of the nation seems to recognize that God is upon this young man. So in the context of this, God says, you need a friend. You need somebody that will be there with you. You need somebody you can share with because this is what we see in deep, intimate relationships. This is what we see from a loyal friend. A loyal friend shares selflessly with you and with me. A loyal friend will share selflessly with us. That's what a loyal friend does. Notice the language, the imagery that's given to us. It is beautiful when you look at this passage. It says, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of of David. Their souls were knotted together, knit, bound together. There was something, there was something that had brought them together in this friendship. And notice again it says that 
he, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. It says that in verse 1, and then in verse 3 it says again, because he loved him as his own soul. They shared themselves with each other. They, they shared their souls with each other. Now, I don't want to get too uh, touchy-feely with you this morning necessarily. Some of you, I'm afraid how it would feel if we got too touchy-feely. You know what I'm saying this morning? But, but look at this. This is a picture of where Jonathan just opens up himself to David and David opens up his soul to Jonathan. I read somewhere where it says that there was an unmasking that took place. Unmasking. What does that mean? It meant, it meant that they took off all of the, all of the exterior. They took off all the mask that they would wear with other people around. And they just were themselves in front of each other. They shared the soul of one another. I love the image. I think Dr. Meeks at Blue Mountain College used to talk about there are people we rub souls with that our souls themselves rub together as we experience life together. This was what you had in the relationship between David and Jonathan. They were just real. They were authentic. They were genuine. Hey, have you had those folks before where you could just talk to them about anything? I mean, you didn't have to worry about the guard. You didn't have to worry about anything else. You just... Kind of could talk with them. You could be genuine. Now, I think we ought to be real all the time. I will say that. But I also understand there are different depths of relationships and friendships. I also recognize there is appropriate transparency, right? Like, I want you to know that I'm a real person, but you probably don't need to know how real I, I am. You know? That, that probably is not what you need to hear every Sunday morning of how real I am in my life, in our family's life. You, you don't need to hear all that kind of stuff. We all ought to be real, but we know that there are certain relationships where we can go deeper and deeper into who we are. We can bear our soul to. And David was able to bear his soul to Jonathan. Jonathan was able to bear his soul to David. And we need those kind of people in our lives. We need those kind of people. We can just open up to them and we can talk to them about the real things that we are facing. Now, I don't know. I was reading through Chuck Swindoll's notes on David and, and he said there are probably two or three of these people you'll find in your life. Leslie and I were talking about that last night. and We've decided maybe we're in bad shape because we've already kind of gone through the two or three and we don't see them anymore, you know, maybe... But there are those people that you can just share with, that you can open up to. It is important that you can find somebody that you are real and authentic with. That will come through a spirit of mutuality. That is, you have some mutual goals, common goals. Hey, in the New Testament, there is the word koinonia, which means commonness. It means to hold together or hold in common. 
the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was supposed to be filled with people that held certain things in common. They had a mutuality about them. They had certain goals and purposes and, and even activities that they participated in. So there's something about God calling you together in that kind of way with these kind of individuals. It's not to say that, it's not to say we shouldn't have relationships outside the church. Certainly we should. Certainly we should encourage people in our relationships. But I believe there is something special about those of us within the church who've experienced, who've experienced the salvation and forgiveness of Jesus himself, who now have different priorities, different goals, we have a different fellowship. There's something about believers as they come together, mutuality of sharing together. C.S. Lewis talked about this as he wrote some years ago, and he said, We picture lovers face to face, but friends side by side. Their eyes look ahead. This is why pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else beside friends. Friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm, some of you, enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice, he says. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers, he says. In other words, there's got to be something that pulls us together. We have a journey together. We have things we share together. That pulls us together as a people we share selflessly with one another. And within the church of the Lord Jesus, we should find individuals like that. Hey, some of you say, well, I want a friend, but I just can't find a friend. You know what the writer of Proverbs says? A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Proverbs 18, 24. In other words, stop complaining about it and be a friend to somebody. Well, they're just so clickish. They're so whatever. Be a friend. And as you demonstrate selfless sharing in your life, it's amazing how you can see that come back from the relationships around you. Friends are willing to sacrifice themselves. Look at Jonathan. Isn't he an unlikely friend for David? I mean, let's be real here this morning. If David... If he had gone out and listed all the prospective friends that he was hoping for, I'm not sure Jonathan would have been on the list. Because Jonathan is the son of the king. David is supposed to be the king. He's going to be the king. So where does that leave Jonathan? It means Jonathan, the heir to the throne, is not going to be in this kind of succession he's going to be pushed to the side he's not the guy you would think would be your best friend and God can often take the unlikely and bring it into reality and Jonathan doesn't worry about ego he's not envious he's willing to sacrifice himself and what destiny everybody else says he should have just to enter into such a strong binding relationship with David notice it says that Jonathan takes off his robe 
that, and gives it to him, that idea of um, authority, equality. He's giving to him this royal robe, the royal clothes to David. He gives it to him. It says his armor, even to his sword, his bow and his belt. In other words, he totally disarms himself and gives it to David. David, which is supposed to be, by all worldly standards, his mortal enemy. Jonathan says, hey, recognize there is something within you. Some have theorized and thought maybe David and Jonathan had already had a conversation about the anointing and the things that had happened down in Bethlehem. I, I don't know that. All I know is Jonathan recognizes within David there is God's spirit and he, he wants to have this relationship with him and he is willing to sacrifice and give to him. You know, friends are like that, aren't they? Loyal friends are like that. They're individuals who are not jealous and not envious, but simply give. An intimate friend is there to assist whenever and in whatever way we need. But notice this as well. A loyal, a loyal friend shares selflessly, but also a loyal friend will stand solidly with you and with me. Friends stand out and friends will speak out. We continue reading down here and we see again where it says, verse 5, that when David went out wherever Saul sent him, he behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people. Verse 6 again, it says, when it happened they were coming home and David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel. Word had spread. I mean, Twitter had just lit up. Facebook, Instagram, they had pictures of the little man throw, I mean, right at the right moment. You know, they got the picture. They had put it out there. The word had spread all across Israel. They all had come out. They had heard about David coming through. They wanted to celebrate. Obviously, this was not a Baptist area because they danced and they celebrated together. But then, oh, the words... The words that would sting the king himself. The words. Saul has slain his thousands. He's done a great job. But oh, David. David has slain ten thousands. David. He is the hero. He is the warrior. And we know because of those words, because of Saul's insecurity and also the evil spirit that really he had allowed to come into his life. He turns against David. We're going to see that more in the coming weeks, but he turns against David. So let me remind you this. Even though God gives us friends, there are some people that just are not going to be our friends. David was behaving wisely and there still were people that were against him. So hear this well. For those of you who are people pleasers, you can't please everybody and you're not going to be friends with everybody. That doesn't mean you should be obnoxious, right? Dale, did you hear me? You, you cannot? 
He was talking about the old faithful a moment ago. I thought he was talking about you, Dale, for a moment or so. Everybody will not be your friend, but there are those who will stand with you and they will stand solidly with you when things come against you. Now, I don't, can't read all the scriptures this morning, but it's amazing how, they, how Jonathan will stand with David even when Saul comes against him. You want to talk about friendship? When your dad is going against your best friend and you say, hey, dad, this is not right. When he stands up and when he speaks out. Chapter 19, the next chapter, verse 4, it says, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you. And because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then would, will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Man, what a tremendous friend that will step up and speak out. And we need those loyal types of friends. That when adversity comes and things come against us, that they will stand with us solidly. It is when the going gets tough that friendships can really grow the most as well. We can go deeper in those relationships with one another. Through the years, church years, there have been so many people that I've counted as friends who have shared selflessly with me and who have stood solidly with me. And some of you, if you were to stand today, you could testify of some of those folks that you've been with at work or, in, or maybe in the church life. I've had other leaders, staff members, had deacons, had Sunday school teachers. I've had just folks that were there. I was talking with Leslie about this. Obviously, she writes most of my sermons for me. But I, I talked to her about the message. And, and uh, we, were, we were just talking about some of the people that have ministered in my life through the years. Some, like Michael McDaniel, who was like a brother to me, about the same age to me as me when I started out in Picayune. And... Uh, could sit down and just talk with anything about anything we could go shoot a rabbit together no offense to those of you who are animal lovers but we could go kill rabbits together we could come back we could talk together we could share is literally like he was my brother even to this day as he ministers up in Tennessee he's like a brother to me our souls rub together I could not have told you that that was going to happen. I didn't even know I was going to land, land in Picayune, the land, literally what the Native Americans call the land of nothingness. I didn't know I would land up in Picayune, but there he was. Or even in that church, Hayes Laverne Stewart, an older man, my treasurer, my Sunday school director, my custodian. My trustee, if it was a position in the church, he held it. He would sit on my couch each and every day, and we would talk about things going on. 
I could be real with it. And when I came to a business meeting, after we had talked, I wasn't concerned that he was going to change his mind in the middle of everything. We would stand solidly together. And how we need those kinds of people in our lives that will stand with us. How difficult it must have been for Jonathan to look at his father and his king and stand for what was right, but he did it. And so we need people who will stand solidly with us. And a loyal friend, loyal friend will speak sensitively with us, to us. Speak to you, speak to me in a sensitive type of way. I, I think you don't hear the words spoken here. You don't, you don't hear them captured for us in 1 Samuel 18. You do see some of the words that are exchanged between David and Jonathan as you move on through the passages. But they were able to speak to one another in a sensitive, open way. Calling and challenging each other, but also encouraging each other. Hey, just two chapters over in, in chapter 20, the first few verses, Saul has put on the stress. David says, Jonathan, you know your dad's trying to kill me. Jonathan said, no, 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 no. You understand whatever he would do, I would know first. And David said, I'm telling you, Saul's going to try to kill me. He's trying now. And, of course, they devised this plan of finding out Jonathan wants to come to the truth because Jonathan looks at his friend and he says, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Look at chapter 20, verse 4. He says, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. So, in other words, they were truthful with one another. I mean, there's David. And think how difficult that must have been to look at Jonathan and say, Jonathan, you know, you know your daddy's up to something. Now, last week I told you, that I don't like people talking about my wife nor my church. Now, I changed it when I got to the third service or to the, yeah, the gathering. And Rhett was very proud I did because I don't want you talking about my kids either, all right? <laughs> he noted that when we went home. He said, I'm proud you changed that. So I don't like people talking about my family. There's David coming. I know Saul is what he is, but still he's Jonathan's dad. And yet he's, David still says, hey, you know your dad is the one that's trying to kill me. He spoke openly to him, truthfully, sensitively to him. And you and I need people in our lives that will speak the truth to us. Hey, let me say this to you. You need to find at least one person that fears God more than they fear you. You need to find at least one individual that's more fearful of God above than they are you and that they'll speak in love the truth that you need to hear. Jonathan and David could speak to one another like that because they were both seeking the same God of heaven because they cared for one another. It is important. Proverbs chapter 27 verses 5 through 6 say, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, you take the challenge, the rebuke of your friend. And friends, encourage. Hey, did you notice it said a covenant was made? It means an agreement, a commitment. 
a relationship. Love that idea of covenant. He says, I'm committed to you. He was committed to David. Jonathan was committed to David throughout his entire life. And he would speak to him truthfully, but he would speak to him in an encouraging way. I wanted to share this one with you because it says in chapter 23, verses 15 and 16, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And then Jonathan, Saul's son, the unlikely one, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God, encouraged him. I love that picture. I love the picture of chapter 20, verse 41, where it says, As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times. And they, that is, David and Jonathan, kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. Jonathan was there to encourage him at these different moments of his life. Man. How awesome is it to have somebody there, not only to tell you the truth, but it's there to encourage you. Some burdens you have to bear. Yes, some only God can carry for you. But thanks be to him that he's put people in our lives to help us bear those burdens. There's a power in encouragement unlike anything else. As someone said, it literally transforms us from the weakness, from weakness into strength, from fear into faith, from defeat into victory. Encouragement. Loyal friends will speak sensitively with you. They'll give you the truth, but they'll encourage. And hey, I'd be amiss if I didn't tell you this as we prepare to leave. Because while this is a beautiful image of friendship, and it should challenge us, there's a greater image. John chapter 15, the gospel writer says what? He says to us, This is my commandment that, I, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And then he goes on, Jesus does say, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. Because see, while we see a beautiful picture of friendship between David and Jonathan, the greatest friendship we can see is the friendship that Jesus has extended to us. You want to talk about sharing himself selflessly with us? That's Jesus. You want to talk about one that was willing to sacrifice, give his life for us? Jesus. You want to talk about one that would stand solidly with us when we go through the most difficult moments of life? That would be Jesus himself. You want to talk about one who would speak sensitively to us with truth and encouragement, both? That's Jesus. No wonder... Someone penned that old song that flow we sang Friday by the graveside. What a friend we have in Jesus.
You see, for you and I to really know what friendship and relationships are with other people, we first have to know what that relationship's like with Jesus. Because I could come to you and say that, yeah, we need loyal friends. We do. We need it. But you could hear that. You could hear that in any other synagogue or mosque or maybe even in a civic club kind of seminar. But what I want to tell you is that when we have friendships and these loyal friends, we have these friendships and we see this devotedness because we know that there's something distinctly Christian about who we are. And as we follow Christ himself, that is where we are able to demonstrate true relationship with other people. Because it's not just about having loyal friends. It is about recognizing the greatest loyal friend that we could ever know and allowing that conduct and that fruit to bear out in our lives toward others and to experience the life of community, to experience the life of faith together. So I say to you today, one, do you know Jesus as your friend? If not, come accept him, trust him, have faith in him. Number two, do you have loyal friends? If you do, get on the phone with somebody this afternoon, call them and say, thank you for being who you are in my life. And if you don't, start being a friend. And you'll see God provide the relationships that you and I both need in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for the relationships, the friendships that you give us. Thank you for those friendships that run so deep in our lives, that encourage us, that call us for a greater transformation into the image of your Son. Father, we pray that you would use us, that you would use these relationships to glorify you. And yes, Lord, we would be amiss this morning if we did not simply stop and thank you for sending your Son. to lay down his life for us. What love, what friendship. Thank you for not calling us just to be servants, but to be your friends. To enjoy a relationship. And to walk with you. Thank you for the wisdom you've given us and the revelation. Now God, speak to us through this moment of commitment. Help us right now do some things we need to do as we obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?